Hello, and welcome to show number 2304 of Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. The players play as hard as any sighted professional player plays. They run as hard, they hit as hard. And if they could play together, I think the professional sighted player would be amazed at how well a beat ball unsighted person can play. And if you're not familiar with beat baseball, we'll be talking about that today. We'll learn how the balls and other equipment are made, as well as about the surprising connection between Beep Baseball and the telephone company. We'll speak with John Cruz, lead volunteer for the group that assembles Beep Baseball equipment right here in Denver, Colorado, and Jay Kelly, chapter president of the Colorado Legacy West Pioneers, which provides most of the volunteer workforce. We'll also talk a little bit about how the game is played, but we did a prior show about eight years ago in which we focused on the play of the game and just briefly touched on the equipment. But first for our tip of the week, this week's tip comes from Jay Kelly. Safety, safety. Because of some of the tools, uh, we have soldering irons, so you have to be careful not to burn yourself. We have exacto knives to cut around the pin after the ball is completed. So safety, 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 always. For the volunteers who make the equipment and for the players who use it. Correct, <laughs> correct. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by APHConnectCenter.org, empowering people toward independence and success by providing blogs, information, and resources for individuals of all ages who are blind or visually impaired. Information and referral line are at 1-800-232-5463. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 Let's start by meeting John and Jay. So we're sitting here at the Colorado Talking Books Library, interviewing some people about making beep baseballs. Can you start by introducing yourself, John? My name is John Cruz, and I am the lead volunteer for the beatball group. And how long have you been doing that? I've been doing this 10, 12 years. You lose track of time. You just get involved with the projects and you just lose track of time. So, And Jay? I'm Jay Kelly and I'm chapter president of the uh, Colorado Legacy West Pioneers, which is the um, group that has been doing beat ball for well over 50 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, it started in 1964 with uh, Charlie Fairbanks, one of our volunteers in Colorado Springs, who had a blind uh, family member and decided to make something for this family member to play ball. And he took it to the pioneers since he was a pioneer. And we are the volunteer organization of the telephone company. AT&T is our mother company. Before the divestiture, all the baby bells belonged to uh, the same organization, and we just continued as the same organization, uh, the pioneers. 
and we had volunteers in every state uh, shortly after the inception of the ball, and it ended up being only one group left in the late 80s and 90s, and our president, Mr. Timothy, who was president of the Colorado-Wyoming um, Mountain Bell office, asked a group of people from Denver to go to New Jersey, collect all the material, all of the equipment, and learn how to make the ball and bring it back to Denver, which they did. The volunteers that we have now are, uh, we have two who are full members, life members, and two, no, three who are partners, who are, their spouses were telephone company employees, and the rest are volunteers that the Talking Book Library has graciously provided for us. And uh, some of the volunteers were the groups who refurbished the uh, recorders for the Talking Book Library. And how long have you personally been involved? I became Colorado chapter president in 2007 when I became even more involved with beatball at that time. Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Underwriting pairs the impact of targeted marketing with the integrity of community goodwill. Learn more by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. That was a beep baseball right after pulling its pin. This week's focus topic is basically that ball and other equipment needed for the game and how it is all made in Denver, Colorado. I'm guessing that many of our listeners are familiar with beep baseball, but for those who aren't, can you describe what this game is all about and how it works? It's a way of making essentially baseball accessible to people who can't see. Beep baseball is, a lot of people take it as a uh, child's game. It's not. This is not a child's game. This is a game for uh, adults. And it's basically what we do is we start with the regulation size softball. We then remove one flap and drill a hole in the ball that is large enough to hold a cylinder. And inside the cylinder, it's got the batteries. It's got the uh, speaker. We actually got them from uh, the phone company once they went out of business with the uh, pay phones. We got all the speakers from the sound, from the payphones, and now we have enough um, speakers that we can probably continue to make balls for at least another fifteen years. years. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you to the phone company for the demise of the payphone. Yes. Right. Okay, the game, like I say, it's a regulation size softball, and it beeps. That enables the uh, batter to hear the ball and be able to hit it with regular bat, but they can use wood or they can use uh, metal, whatever they prefer to use. And the pitcher, the catcher, and the batter are all on the same team because they practice together. And the pitcher and the catcher can see. Yes. The pitcher and the catcher are sighted. The batter is not. And some of your uh, visually impaired can actually see uh, shadows. So to make it fair for all teams, they all have to wear blindfolds as well to go up to, to bat at the ball and while they're in the field. And in the field, there are six uh, players from the opposing team. And behind the six players, there are two people that are sighted. The fielders are numbered one, two, three on, on the right side, four through six on the left side. And behind them, I say there's two sighted people. 
all they can say, the sighted person, is a number. One or six. That allows that individual who's got that number to let them know that the ball is coming their direction. This prevents people from crashing into each other if they're going after the ball. Correct. Although sometimes they do crash into one another anyway. In the, the meantime, the batter he hits the ball. He's running to a base. Now, we only have two bases. You don't actually run bases. You just run to uh, first and third, either or. There's an individual behind the uh, behind home plate. It's got a box with a toggle switch on it to determine which one of the... Uh, it's random. I, I don't know. I'm not even sure how he selects which base will be. But he'll using that toggle switch, he'll toggle it either to the left or to the right for one of the bases to start beeping. And then the uh, batter will run to the base. If the batter gets to the base before a fielder gets to the ball, and the fielder's got to get the ball and pick it up over their head. But if a batter gets to the base before the fielder gets to the ball, it's a run. If the fielder gets to the ball and holds it above his head before the batter gets to the base, it's an out. That's how they play the game. For specialty equipment, you use regulation bats, you use specialty balls, specialty bases. What else is special, and do you, which of these do you guys make? Well, currently, we're making the balls, the chargers, and I would guess we're still making the bases. I'm still trying to purchase a beeping or sounder for the bases, which now, because of the pandemic, a lot of supplies have gone, they're no longer being produced by some of the manufacturers that we had. And I am still trying to locate one that'll work. I have found some, but I haven't been able to get it to the individual that he can test it to see if it'll work. If it works, we're back in the base business. Because the base is about 48 inches high. And it's got a similar to what the ball is, what's inside the ball, but it's got a different sounder, different speaker. Although the, the, the beeping noise may be similar. It's a little bit different because that way the fielders and the runner knows that there are different sounds. When the players are playing, there cannot be any sound in the field because it detracts from the beeping noise of the ball or the base. So if a plane uh, flies overhead or if a large truck goes by and it's rumbling, they will stop play until that noise goes away so that they can then hear the beeping of the ball so they'll resume play at that time. We learned that very quickly when we went to the World Series tournament. Um, we went to the first game and somebody hit the ball and we started to clap and everybody else said, shh, and we figured that out. <laughs> yes, yes. You can cheer once the play is over. Either the runner runners reach the base or the uh, fielders picked up the ball. Before that, you have to be quiet. You talked about how runs are scored and how the scoring and outs are done. What about when you're pitching and you call balls and strikes? That's a little different, too, in this game, right? Well, it's similar to regular ball. There is an umpire. stands, of course, behind the catcher. And the umpire will determine whether or not it's a a strike or a ball or whatever and uh, they only get three outs but I'm thinking they get four strikes have either of you ever tried playing this game with your eyes closed or <laughs> blindfold no no as we were setting up the interview you were telling us how widely these balls are distributed that you guys make can you give people an idea of 
how big of a global reach this is. You get parts from all over the world, and you distribute these balls all over the place. Correct. A lot of our supplies come from, well, we get our balls now are coming from Vietnam. The, the batteries that are used inside of the uh, balls are uh, purchased from Germany. And I have been shipping to, uh, I mean, there's a number of states here in the United States, uh, to uh, Taiwan, Costa Rica, Canada. I've had some interest from Australia, which I've offered to go down and show them how to play. <laughs> and uh, from some European countries as well. England. England has sent Britain somewhere, the Great Britain area. It sent me a lot of requests for balls or chargers or whatever. I've sent it to them, but a lot of them, because we don't pay for shipping if it's out of the country. If you want the items, you have to pay for your own shipping, because we don't make a profit on these balls. So you implied that you could ship for free in the United States. Is that as free matter for the blind? Correct. That only pertains to the balls and to the chargers. We can ship in the 48 states, not Alaska or Hawaii. You talked a little bit about actually making the ball. I was hoping you'd go into a little bit more detail there. But how long does it take to make one of these balls? And how many people are involved? Currently, we have about 10 individuals that are, that are involved in the production of the uh, balls and chargers. Um, chargers, they can make them, oh, one an hour. Chargers. Balls, on the other hand, because of the waiting period, because we have to, uh, we put a polymer substance inside of the cylinder in order to hold all the, all the components together. And it's also for the, when they hit it with a bat, it's for like a concussion type. Protection. Protection <laughs> for the uh, components. Mm -hmm. So if it weren't for the fact that we had to wait in order for this epoxy or polymer to, to, uh, to dry up, we'd be able to produce a ball in two hours, three hours. I mean, from beginning to end. But we do have to wait. And we're only here on Fridays. We only work half a day on Fridays. So, and we do it in stages. Circuit boards, we'll work on it this week. Then we put the batteries in. Well, switches this week. Batteries in next week. And then we'll uh, put them inside of a cylinder. And then the following week. Then they're poured the week after that. Then they go up into a ball the week. So it'll take, in, in regular time, four to five weeks to get a ball completed. I had never seen the switches to these balls. Describe how the beeping is turned on and off. Well, the switch is placed on the circuit board. It's just a small switch that we pop inside of the circuit board, and we solder it in there. And uh, there's a collar that holds it in as well. We just screw it into the back of the, of the uh, switch to hold it inside of there. Then we have that we have a pin that goes inside. Once the batteries are in there and they're connected to a speaker, then it'll start to beep. The pin is put inside of there to open the circuit so it doesn't beep. And you can reach the pin from outside the ball. This is something that um, is actually used in the course of playing the game. Correct. We insert the pin once the ball has been completed for uh, transportation, for shipment, to the uh, teams. And the pin will stay in the, in the ball until they're ready to actually practice or play or whatever. And then they, not only do they pull the pin, but the pitcher will have a cadence. Ready, pitch, or ball. One or the other, let the batter know that the ball is on its way. How about the batteries? They don't last forever. Can you recharge them, or do you have to take apart the ball and put in new batteries? No, the, the batteries are uh, rechargeable. 
that's what the chargers are, are produced for to charge to recharge the batteries in the ball and you know it is being hit by a bat sometimes the the ball will last a considerable amount of time i'm meaning it'll do and it'll complete an entire game other times it'll last one batter it depends on where it's hit how hard it's hit so and then whether or not all the components inside were protected well enough we hope to to do it all good but you know not always there's a lot of times we do run into problems with the balls and they use usually use a dozen balls in a game so you guys are really providing a great service here some of the parts are being donated like through the phone company and all but you're donating all your services to keep the cost of these balls relatively low because they're not cheap to produce and send around that's that's correct, that's correct. <laughs> and the only thing we received actually from the phone company other than some of the grants are the speakers. Beyond that, we pay for all the components. We pay for all of them. Everything that goes inside of the ball or the bases, we pay. And several years ago, we were able to produce the cylinders ourselves. We were able to send people out where it was a company who volunteer or not volunteer, but they uh, donated their equipment so we can produce our cylinders. We sent two guys out there to produce the cylinders, and it was all Free, basically, we'd get the plastic for free and everything. Now, in the last three years, four years, we had to have them uh, find a company that would provide the cylinders for us. So now we have to pay for the cylinder as well as pay for the uh, the, plastic. the plastic that they're made of. We don't usually discuss costs on this show, but this is kind of interesting. So you purchase huge boxes of regulation softballs how much do they cost and then how much do you actually sell the finished beep baseballs for currently the ball completed is right around 37 almost 38 dollars for one ball and relative to the regulation softballs that you start with what do they cost Regulation softball is probably 8 to $9, but then because of all of the electronic components yeah. and everything else that we've inserted, it's about 37 and change. And that includes all the laborers volunteer and the spaces donated by the Colorado Talking Books Library. So Correct. you're really keeping it down. There is no charge for, for labor. And there's no charge for uh, actually nothing, just the components. And currently, it's 37 almost $38 for a ball. We sell them for 35 So we're losing on each ball. But we are making some, not a lot, but we are making some money off the bases and the chargers. But we sell more balls than we do anything else. We rely on a lot of the grants that the phone company will give us. or other, And we have a lot of individuals out there that, will, that like what we're doing and will actually donate. They'll purchase a ball. Like I say, it's 30, $35. They'll purchase a ball, and sometimes they'll send us a check for $75, $100. So we can use that for whatever else we need. I hope there are donuts involved for the volunteers. Although, <laughs> although seriously, I guess this is very rewarding for you guys to be doing this, and it's a good, great social outlet too. It is. It is. We. I think the guys come down here more for the just to be with the camaraderie, the, the individuals that are here, than to actually doing. All they do enjoy doing the volunteer work mm-hmm. and helping out the visually impaired, but it's more the camaraderie where they get together and. We laugh and joke and tease one another and what have you, but we do have a good time while we're working on the balls. Yes, and the pioneer motto is, we'll work for donuts. Yeah. 
Any volunteer project that we do, if we know it's going to be over an hour, donuts are generally provided for the volunteers. Well, I have to say, when we walked in this morning, it was 10 o'clock in the morning, and that box of donuts was nearly full still. So <laughs> there's a lot of self-control going on. There is. <laughs> we had a member, George. He passed away, unfortunately, in uh, 2018. But anyway, he would come in. George used to be our pour, which pours the polymer. And I had purchased new T-shirts because uh, someone was coming to do an interview for the beatball. Five minutes after George got here, his was full of glue. (laughs) The polymer. So we gave him another shirt to put on. We did the interview. Five minutes later, George was full of glue. (laughs) But George would always have a donut before he got started. Do half the pour, come out, have another donut. Go back and finish the pour and come back and have another donut. <laughs> Three or four donuts. And George was probably, probably what, 100 pounds? <laughs> probably. He wasn't very big. No, he was uh, about 5'6", five, 5'7", five, and about 100 pounds. But he, he ate those donuts like... <laughs> I know. But he was a heck of a worker. He yes. He was a heck of a worker. I mean, he... Would do his work as far as pouring the polymer substance into the to the cylinders, getting them all ready for the rest of the guys to do what they needed to do. So he, I mean, he would do that constantly. Well, it sounds like you guys certainly have a fun time doing this, and it is a great service that you are providing for lots of visually impaired people around the world and around the country. Yes, it is, and uh, the volunteers. Uh, We would be nowhere without our volunteers. And as Legacy West, which is our group here in uh, the Denver metro area in Colorado, we have probably nationwide well over uh, 500,000 volunteers for all the telephone companies, including Canada, which is Mountain Bell and all the baby bells that are still in existence they are all members of the Pioneers, and we all do any type of volunteer work. You have docents at libraries, at zoos, at museums. Uh, they work in hospitals. They uh, work in the schools as teachers' aides, as uh, wherever help is needed, we have volunteers. I understand your very first volunteer was someone we might have heard of. Alexander Graham Bell, yes. And he went to our first conference in 1911, our first annual conference, and that was held in Boston. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about beep baseball, both the game and the equipment, how to find a team, how to volunteer, and how to contact John Cruz and Jay Kelly. So if people are interested in finding out more about your organization and possibly volunteering to make beep baseballs, how can they do that? Well, we do have, uh, there's a website with the Pioneers, and I think they're going to put the people. Right. Uh, uh, it's under LegacyWestPioneers.org slash Colorado. And under that button, then you will find uh, the beatball. There's also a PayPal button where you can donate. We do, unfortunately, have people who write to us or email us and say, I just had um, 
my family member become blind and we heard about beatball and we're trying to bring their spirits up. We can't afford a ball and we would donate a ball. We donate. You know, $35, it's a lot of money, but it's not. You know, we try to keep a fund so that we can do that. We are going to be holding uh, our annual Easter egg hunt, and this year we are partnering uh, for 2023 with the Center for the Blind in uh, Littleton, and we are going to hold the hunt there. We have two hunts going on at the same time, one for visually impaired children and one for their siblings. I assume people can find out information about the Easter egg hunt on your website if they'd like? Uh, we'll be putting information out. Um, right now, our schedule is for April 1st at the Center for the Blind. We, um, we invite all the metro area children to come to the hunt. We get our list from the Talking Book Library and send out from that. In Colorado Springs, um, we work with the uh, School for the Deaf and Blind, and they have a hunt on their property, and we provide uh, the baskets for them as well. If somebody wanted to know more about beep baseball or how to get involved as a player, do you know the contact information for the Umbrella Organization? The National Beatball Association, and they're the ones that hold the teams. But right now it's just the National Beatball, nbba.org. Get on the Internet and try that. If you're interested in joining a team, if you're just interested in product, purchasing a ball or whatever, you can contact the Beatball organization directly. And that's beatball at LegacyWestPioneers.com. Then if you're looking to volunteer, contact Terry Marcotte at the Colorado Talking Book Library. And uh, she's the one that provides the volunteers for us here at the library. Is there a phone number? They don't necessarily need to call Terry, though. They can contact me directly. Yeah. How would they contact you? Email site at beatball at legacywestpioneers.com or a phone number, 720-331-7938. In addition to their main website, the National Beep Baseball Association, or NBBA, also has a Facebook page at NBBA Public Relations, and they're on Twitter at NBBA. And as usual, in case you missed any of that in the audio, you can find it in the show notes associated with this episode, episode 2304, at our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. We'll also have a link to the previous episode in which we talked more about how beat baseball is played. And, you know, beat baseball can be not only a great sport to keep you in shape, but also a great way of socializing with other people. We've done many episodes of Eyes on Success where we talked about sports and group activities. And if you're looking for those episodes, just use the handy search tool on our website and put in the term sports or any particular sport, and you'll be able to find links to the audio and show notes of those episodes. And, of course, we always like getting suggestions from our listeners. If there's a sport that we haven't covered that you're interested in, just send a note to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net and let us know. That's it for show number 2304. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about the Orbis Flying Eye Hospital. 
vision impairment affects many people around the world. Unfortunately, it is difficult to reach and treat those who live in remote areas. We'll talk with Maria Montero, an ophthalmologist and assistant director of clinical services of the Orbis Flying Eye Hospital, about how their model addresses that problem. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope to catch you next week. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.